Welcome to today's teaching service. You're listening to the First Century Apostolic Church FCAC Temagana. We preach, teach, and live the complete and unadulterated Word of God with genuine miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at every meeting with the Holy Spirit. Our aim is to follow in the steps of the apostles and disciples of the First Century Church founded by our Lord Jesus. Prepare yourselves, therefore, for a powerful encounter with the Word and power of God brought to you by Reverend Dr. V.C.Y. Edwards, the General Overseer of FCAC. He is a seasoned man of God who is blessed with a powerful teaching and deliverance ministry. I encourage you, therefore, to join us every Tuesday at our teaching services at 7 p.m. prompt. You will be truly blessed. God bless you as you join us in the service. Praise the Lord. Shall we all put our hands together for Jesus? Are you glad to be here this evening? Then let's all say thank you, Jesus. Let's say thank you, Holy Spirit. And let's all say thank you, Father. The media, are you ready? You're ready. I don't see anyone behind the camera. It's on. The camera is on. It's on. Okay. All right. So it's been set, put on automatic, autopilot. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for this meeting. Our Lord, now God, we thank you for your presence with us here again tonight. And we thank you for the lives of all who you are going to bring to your house this meeting right now. But we give you the honor and we give you all the glory. We come prepared to receive your word, to gain understanding, wisdom, and knowledge so that we shall not be destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Holy Spirit, therefore, give us teachable spirits, understanding spirits. At the end of this meeting, Lord, we shall know how to walk with you better and be ever more ready to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's all be seated. Praise the Lord. So I'd like to welcome our brethren in our various churches. Michelle Kam, Tesh in Niboy Town, and those who are watching from around the globe on our social media platforms. This evening, we're going to deal with the last part of our teachings on dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. And um, we've dealt with dreams, almost finished with dreams. And this evening, we're going to deal largely with visions. Visions. So, this evening forms the third part, part three, of our teachings on dreams and visions. And we said that everyone dreams. Everybody dreams. Uh, dream is 
what you receive with the mind when you go to sleep. When you go to sleep, you dream. So you dream dreams. You have dreams. And we've looked at the interpretation of dreams, how to interpret dreams. And we are now looking at a classification of dreams and visions. Praise the Lord. Last week, remember, we said that a lot of people always want to know what the will of God for them is. Everybody, especially Christians or believers, every one of us would like to know what is the will of God for him or for her, the will of God. And uh, we explained, just remember that the will of God for you as an individual, the plans of God, the blessings of God, the will of God for you as a person is the word of God revealed in the Bible. The will of God for you as an individual to a large extent, almost always, almost always, is the word of God. The will of God is the word of God. So that it is almost always wrong for you to expect God to be telling you what to do on a day-to-day basis. On a day-to-day basis. Uh, sometimes God will come in and give you a warning dream or a caution dream. When you come to the crossroads, when you are at the point of making an important decision, a very, very important decision that especially may affect you and affect others, God may come in and give you a warning dream or a caution dream. But for your day-to-day life, day-to-day living, what to do and what not to do, where to go, where not to go, your utterances, your associates, people that you, you associate with, you have dealings with, it's all in the word of God. It is all written in the word of God. That God will hardly come to you and tell you what to do on a daily basis. So, those of you who like to go to so-called prophets and prophetesses for direction, which you call akwanchire, be very careful. Very careful. Lord, and that's not how God operates. That's not how God works with us. But when God has a plan, God has a plan that is going to affect the lives and the destinies of many people. God has a plan, and in that plan, the lives of many people, the destinies of many of his children will be affected and therefore need to be directed, then God may show that plan to a person, to one person, for the benefit of the thousands and even millions or hundreds of people who otherwise may not be blessed. And this is what we call 
presentiment dreams. And last, last week we looked at a number of them where God gave dreams to people and in those dreams God affected or influenced or directed the lives of many people. These are what we call presentiment dreams which we looked at last week. And uh, before we move on to visions, before we move on to visions, I'll give you two scriptures, uh, two more presentiment dreams that God gave. Two more. And that's the, the dreams of the chief butler and the chief baker of Pharaoh. We know these already. We find them in Genesis chapter 40. Genesis 40, verses 1 to 23. Genesis chapter 40. We don't have time to read them, but these are the dreams of the chief butler and the chief baker of Pharaoh. These were presentiment dreams that God gave to the butler and the baker. After all, the butler and the baker, they were not Israel, they were not God's people. They were not God's people. So the reason why God gave their dreams was that through their dreams, Joseph would be given a chance to interpret the dreams. And therefore, Joseph will be ascend, will be promoted the position of prime minister. So the dreams of the baker and the butler of Pharaoh were presentiment dreams which Joseph would interpret. And through that, he would gain access, be promoted the position of prime minister of Pharaoh. And then, finally, we have in the book of Judges chapter 7, Judges 7, Judges chapter 7, verses 7 to 15, in the days of Gideon, Judges chapter 7, 7 to 15, in the days of Gideon, we have, a, when Gideon was having commissioned to defeat the Midianites who were a mightier and a stronger army than his and um, Gideon was having doubts uh, God showed the dream to a Midianite soldier was a soldier in the Midianite army and God showed him a dream he had a dream that meant that God had given the Midianite army into the hands of Gideon. Judges 7, 7 to 15. From there, we, now we go on to visions. We said that a dream is what you dream. You dream a dream like you see with your mind. In a dream, you see with your mind. Let's put it that way. But in a vision, a vision is something we see with your eyes. Either with your eyes closed or open. When your eyes are closed, we say it's a closed vision. We see with your eyes closed. That's a closed vision. And when your eyes are open, we say it's an open vision. And remember, these are rare. These are rare. In fact, presentiment dreams are also very rare. Presentiment dreams. And it's important to remember this so that you don't go running around with every dream that you receive as having come from God. 
But you have to be very, very careful, very, very, very wise in how you receive and interpret dreams so that you don't make mistakes. Now, a vision is what you see with your eyes. A vision is seen with the eyes. And when it's seen with the eyes closed, we call it closed vision. And when a vision is seen with the eyes open, that's an open vision. Remember, these are very rare. And God only brings them to pass under very special circumstances. Very, very special circumstances. Again, when they are meant to, to determine the destinies and the lives of many, many, not just you and not just one person, but they are meant for many. Remember that. Amen. Just say another amen. So we're going to look at visions today. And we begin by looking at some night visions of Paul. Night visions. Though these visions happened in the night, they were not dreams. They were not dreams. Paul was not asleep. Paul was awake. So he saw them with his eyes. They were visions, not dreams. So the night visions of Paul, Acts chapter 16, Acts 16, verses 9 and 10. Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. Night visions seen by Paul, Paul the Apostle. Acts 16, verses 9 and 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Hello? So, Paul saw in a vision, though it was in the night, it was a vision. And he saw a man of Macedonia who stood, he saw him standing there and pleading with him, it wasn't a dream, pleading with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he has seen this vision, after he has seen the vision, Immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. That was a night vision. And you can see that in this vision, Paul and his traveling companions were to go to Macedonia and preach to the whole region the gospel. It wasn't a vision meant for Paul or for any one person Direction for Paul and his companion to go to Macedonia and preach to the whole people of Macedonia. So it was meant to benefit thousands of people. Just say amen. And then again, Acts chapter 18, verses 9 to 11. Acts 18, 9 to 11. 
Acts chapter 18, verses 9 to 11. Now, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, not by a dream. The Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. This was Paul at Corinth, when he went to Corinth to plan the church of the Corinthians. And he faced opposition initially. So the Lord had to come and appear to him in a vision and encourage him that he shouldn't keep quiet. He should preach the word. No one will hurt him. No one will kill him. Because the people of Corinth needed to hear the word and the church of the Corinthians needed to be planted. And that's how the Corinthian church was planted. Paul stayed there for one year and six months. And all that time, no one could hurt him, no one could oppose him or stop him. And through that, the Corinthian church was established. And we have the letters of Paul to the Corinthians from which we have learned, God has taught us many things. If that church had not been planted, those letters would not have been written and we wouldn't have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. In fact, it is, it is agreed by Bible scholars that Paul wrote four letters. There were four letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Four, not two. And 1 Corinthians, I believe, if I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but what we call 1 Corinthians was the, the second letter the second letter of Paul to the church at Corinth. And then the second Corinthians was, I think, third, but there were four letters. But we believe that Paul probably wrote on the same subject. So, first, second Corinthians, they are enough for us. In fact, even the two, many of us find difficult to understand how much more four. So, we are quite happy with the two. Just say Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. And again, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 23, verse 11. 23, verse 11. Acts 23, verse 11. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, look at that. It's a lot of time we read these things and we see that, we feel that it was a vision, it was a dream. We, we understand it to be a dream because it says in the night. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, so actually the Lord actually appeared to him. Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. But the following night, again, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, 
so you must also bear witness at Rome. Amen. Now, just to digress a bit, now you and I probably understand why even though it was prophesied to Paul that when he got to Rome, when he went to Rome, or if he should go to Rome, he would face persecution. He would be imprisoned and uh, probably even be killed. It was revealed to him. Prophesied to him. And the disciples therefore sought to restrain him, to stop Paul from going. They tried to persuade Paul not to go to, Jeru to Rome. Sorry, to Rome. Because this was the fate that was awaiting him. He would be arrested, imprisoned, and ultimately killed. But imagine having received this vision. The Lord actually stood by him and said, in the same way as you have testified me in Jerusalem you must go to Rome and testify in Rome before Caesar therefore as as intense as sustained at the disciples persuasion to Paul not to go Paul still said you go you go Beloved, what am I trying to say Anyone who receives a dream or a vision from God and the person believes that God is telling him or her to do this, very often those who are not part of the dream may not understand. And they will try to dissuade or to stop that person from doing it. Because what God may tell the person to do may be a bit strange, may be unusual. It's not something that is normally done. Especially when danger was involved, or the person's life was at risk, or in fact, the person will lose his life. Those who love him, those who know him, and that is understandable, that is normal. Those who love him and those who feel for him, so don't go, don't do this, please, don't go. But the receiver of the dream of vision, and church, may you all dream dreams from God, and may you all receive visions from God. You see, that person may look like he's being stubborn, he's being difficult. He doesn't listen to advice. He doesn't listen to even the elders. He doesn't listen to anybody. What he says he will do, that's what he will do. No, sir, no, madam. But like the apostle said, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. So, church, the conclusion to this is when, when somebody who is a servant of God or a Christian, a believer, says that he has received something from God, direction from God, to do this. And he says, well, what I'm doing is from God. It's not myself, but God has helped me to do it. 
It is not for you to stop him. It is not for you to be angry with him. It is not for you to, to try to oppose him. Otherwise, like Gamaliel said, you may even find yourself opposing God. You may find yourself opposing God. And don't forget this. If you believe that God is here with us, there are times when God, not often, not every day, not every year, not every even two or three, but there are times when God may want to reveal something to this church. God may want to give some direction to this church. God will not bypass his servant. God does not bypass his servant. To give it to anybody in the church, but God will always use his servant. That's why God has called his servant. God, will, God called his servant to stand before him and before his people. So when the servant of God said, oh, this, the direction I'm receiving from God, as strange, as unusual, as unorthodox, as uncommon as it may be, you believe him. Even if you don't believe, just wait and see. You watch and see. But it will be wrong to oppose that person. It will be wrong, even more wrong, to insult him. It will, even, it will be worse than to leave the church because of that. When you do that, then you're opposing God. You're opposing God. And that's why the Bible says in the book of James that, look, if any of you lacks wisdom, that wisdom means understanding. When you don't know what is happening, ask God. It is not wisdom, Nyansa. Ask God. And God will show you. God will reveal it to you. But before you ask, you must ask by faith. Meaning that what God tells you, you have to be able to be ready to accept it. Because what God may tell you, it may, it may confuse you, it may go against what you believe. It may go against everything that you stand for. So you must act by faith. Ready to receive or to accept whatever God shows to you. Otherwise, you'll be asking without faith. And if you ask without faith, the Bible says you'll be like a wave of the sea being tossed by the wind. You are being tossed to and fro. To and fro. You are being tossed. Because you've asked God and God says this. But you, you reject it and you go and do something else. And he says, let that person never expect to receive anything from God again. After that, that is it. That person will never receive anything from God again. So we do these teachings so that when the time of testing comes, there's something we call a time of testing. And the time of testing does not come to us all, it comes to us as individuals. Your time of testing, when God is testing you, different from another person's time. When the time of testing comes, may you remember all these things, church, in Jesus' name. May you remember all these things in Jesus' name. Clap your two hands for Jesus. So again with Paul, Acts, Acts 27 Acts 27, verses 20 to 25. Acts 27, 20 to 25. These are visions. They happen the night, so they are night visions. 
Acts 27, 20 to 25. Now, when neither sun nor stars appear for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we will be saved was finally given up. All hope that we'll be saved was finally given up. But after a long, after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night, verse 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Amen. Amen. This was when their ship was singing on their way to Rome. Their ship was caught in a storm, violent storm. And the ship was about to sink. And uh, all hope that they would survive was lost. I mean, everybody, they knew that they were all going to perish. The tempest or the storm was so violent, so great that they were all going to drown, including Paul. But that night, an angel appeared to Paul, stood by Paul in a vision, and said, what you have just said, you should take heart. No life shall be lost, but the ship shall be destroyed, and all the cargo shall be lost. But not one single life shall be lost. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes when God has given you, and church, know this, when God has given you his presentiment dream or vision, something that is going to affect the lives and destinies of many people, and God has revealed it to you. And when I say, may God reveal his visions to you. In Jesus' name, say amen. amen. You, can, you can make a lot of conclusions from it. Because see, when God says something that is going to happen through you in the future, if God says that, oh, in 10 years' time, my daughter, you are going to, I'm going to use you to Maybe start a church, a branch at Abokobi in 10 years' time. Hello? It means that before the 10 years, no witch or wizard will be able to kill you. That you get it? Yes. It means that at least your life has been guaranteed for 10 years. <laughs> Hello? So that even if you find yourself in a vehicle that's about to crash, the vehicle is going to crash. And everybody, everybody is saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everybody is shouting. 
You alone will be calm. Then you can tell the others that they shouldn't worry. Nothing is going to happen to anybody. Because you know because of you, because of you, only you, no lives have been lost. The vehicle will not burst into flames. Church, are you with me? So then you can confidently, can confidently stand and proclaim and proclaim the will of God, knowing that it will come to pass. And may the presentiment will of God come to pass in your lives. In the name of Jesus. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Amen. Now, Ezekiel. Let's now look at Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Ezekiel chapter 8. Verses 1 to 4. Ezekiel 8, 1 to 4. Now it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. In other words, the anointing came upon him. The hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. Then I looked. I looked, so there was a vision. And there was a likeness, like the appearance of fire. From the appearance of his waist and downward, fire. And from his waist and upward, like the appearance of brightness, like the color of amber. He stretched, out the form, he stretched out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair. And the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem. Brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the north gate of the inner court where the seat of the image of jealousy was which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there. And the vision that I saw in the plain. So again, here we see Ezekiel. He was having a meeting with the elders of Judah. Broad daylight. When the anointing just came upon him. And he saw this appearance. This likeness. And remember... The hand just held one lock, one hair of his head. One, one lock of hair. And with that one lock of hair, lifted him up high between heaven and earth, dangling on one lock of hair. Brought him to Jerusalem and showed him many things. This was a vision that appeared to Ezekiel. And this was an open vision. An open vision. Happened with his eyes open. Then Daniel, in Daniel 10, verses 5 to 9. Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 to 9. Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 to 9.
I lifted my eyes and looked. And behold, look at this. I lifted my eyes and looked. So it was in a dream, so a vision. And behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was gathered with gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Note, and the sound of his, vo- of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. So he fell down into a trance, just like we fall down here and go to a deep sleep. Amen. Hallelujah. So, this is a very interesting um, vision that uh, Daniel saw. Those who are with him did not see the vision, but somehow, somehow, they felt the presence of God. And uh, fear came upon him, upon them. They didn't see the vision, but suddenly the, the atmosphere changed. They could see that there was a presence. There was a supernatural presence. And that supernatural presence was the presence of God. So, they fled and hid themselves. They ran to hide themselves. And as the anointing came upon Daniel, he fell down to a deep sleep. As happens to us here. What lesson do we learn from this? What Paul, what, sorry, what Daniel saw, description clear, precise description of what Daniel saw. We don't see. You see, we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't see these visions. We don't see the angel of God whom we belong to and we serve. We don't see them. We don't see Jesus physically, visually in a vision, no. But we see a manifestation Almost every time we come here, remember, we see, we behold a manifestation of his presence. Though we don't see, we see the things that he does. And that should hold us in awe. That should make us afraid. Not afraid that we run away from him, but that should make us begin to reverence God, worship him, fear him more, and get closer to him. But on the contrary, many of us, the more we see these uh, manifestations of the presence of God, the more we take it for granted. 
the more we take it for granted. But if God is to open your eyes to see him here, you probably fall down and end up at general hospital. Oh yes, you fall down at once. Hello? But we see his presence. God will not allow us to see the vision because many of us cannot take it. We cannot take it. We cannot handle it. But we see the good thing that he's doing. He only allows us to see the good thing that he's doing. And sometimes, in fact, many of us, when we fall down, we just get up and go and sit down. We fall down, get up and go and sit down. But when you look at it, just consider it. No one pushed you. No one wrestled you. Fell down. You lie down for some two, three minutes. Got up. During that time, did you see anything? Once we are lying down, did you see anything? Or have you prayed a lot? Anytime I fall down, let me see a vision. When I, let me see something. That will show me something. Let me see something that will show me something. But we get up. You go and sit down, and that is it. Hello? Praise the Lord. Clap your hands for Jesus. So, Nibwai Town, Teshin, Tema, and Michelle Camp. As we go through these lessons, we are not just talking, it's not just words, but begin to meditate, begin to think of the thing that we are looking at. And that is wisdom. That is understanding. That's the wisdom. That is understanding. So as you come forward for hands to be laid on you and you receive the Holy Spirit like Daniel or like Ezekiel and there's no strength left in you and your body is turned to frailty and that's what makes you fall down. All strength just leaves you. Your body becomes like frailty. You fall down and you lie down there. 30 seconds, doesn't matter how long or how short. When you get up and you know that you came walking, you came standing, now you right from the ground. So what happened in between? Did God show you something? Did God say something to you? So as you sit down, you pray and ask God. We thank God for having touched you. Even you. Not just Ezekiel, not Daniel, but you also, God has touched you. And that's a big thing. It's a great thing. And as you sit down there, do you pray and thank God for having touched you? Even you also. You too, God has touched you. And what did you see? What did you learn? That is wisdom. That's understanding. Check, clap your hand for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Last Sunday, or this past Sunday, I heard I was a visitor here. And um, at the end of the service, the visitor said, Oh, in their church, what they what he or she saw here on which we see here every Sunday or every meeting, they only happen, they only have it on special meetings when they invite some anointed men from outside 
to their church. That's when they see some of what we saw here. Though we see it every Sunday, every meeting, we have it here. We have become used to it. But she was amazed. He was amazed. He was surprised that every meeting is happening. And I remember when I came to Tema from Teshin, after three weeks, remember, a member came to me and asked me, ah, but daddy, you mean every church meeting, do you have to lay hands and minister? I said, yes, why not? Of course. They said, oh, before I came to, I don't know, this is what the person said, before I came to Tema, they only had it when they invited the uh, so-called great men of God from elsewhere come and minister. That's when they saw these things. I said, well, then get ready because now every Sunday, every Friday, you are going to see it. Church, and may you see it every time we come together. Clap your hand for Jesus. <laughs> Stephen, in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, verses 54 to 56. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, 54 to 56. A vision that Stephen saw. Acts 7, 54, 57. Sorry, to 56. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Church, amen? Once again, may God cause you to see visions. Stephen, while he was contending with his opponents, saw this vision. God opened his eyes. He saw the heavens. He actually saw Jesus, post-ascension Jesus, standing by the side, right side of God. And that infuriated them even more. That infuriated them even more. Made them even more angry. They took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Told him to death. See, church, there are some things that you and I will never understand until we get to heaven. Somebody who has just seen a vision, Jesus, standing by the right hand of God. <laughs> God has shown him heaven. Jesus standing by the right hand of glory of God. Now his enemies took him by force outside the city and stoned him to death. Why did God not intervene? Why, did, why didn't God stop them? They, they were going to do the same thing to Jesus. Jesus turned around, passed through them, and walked in their midst and went away. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. But here, some of you have just seen Jesus and the glory of God. And then the next moment, his enemies, gnashing their teeth at him, took him out of the city and stoned him. One of the most painful death stoned him. Killed him with stones. God knew all that. And God permitted it to happen. So, remember, it is not everything that happened to us 
that we can understand. Only God understands. You just make sure that you know your God whom you belong to and whom you serve. That is all. You just keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Know your God, serve him, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Leave the rest to him. He knows what is best for you. What is the best for you. Don't say, oh, why did God allow this to happen to me? No. no. Turn your back on God or turn your back on FCAC and go away. No. That is not the way to belong to God and that is not the way to serve God. No, sir. No, madam. We walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith. We don't live by what we see. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. Michelle, come, touch in town. Let's all say amen. amen. So this is Stephen. Then finally, Peter. Peter in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 16. Acts chapter 10, 9 to 16. I was very happy when, um, you know, when Gilbert and uh, Auntie B, Elder uh, departed. I know, I know people will be asking a lot of questions. People will be asking a lot of questions. We'll be, we were making all kinds of conclusions. I knew it, but I kept quiet. But not long after, God came in prophecy and said, I'm still in your midst. I'm still with you. What God said was that I am still with you. That was all. God didn't have to explain anything to you. He said, I'm still with you. I'm still in your midst. God does not owe us explanations. <laughs> then God, you want God to apologize to us. If you want God to, to explain things to us, it's the same thing as asking him to apologize. I didn't understand either. Why God will let Gilbert depart at the age of 19 and Edda Beat at the age of 60? I didn't understand. But who am I to question God? So when God said, I'm still your miss, I'm still with you, that is all. Just like in the beginning, God created the heavens and God didn't have to say, Oh, this is how I, I came from here. This. No, in the beginning, God, take it or leave it. In the same way, it is not for you or for me to question, to analyze, or try to rationalize everything that happens in the house of God. But you are not God, I'm not God. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So, Acts 10, 9 to 16. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, 
creeping things and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again, second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. So here, Peter fell into a trance. That means that probably had his eyes open. So an open vision. Open vision. He was hungry and wanted to eat. So while they were preparing their food, I know women, when they, they can take time with preparing their food, I keep telling my wife that I don't think of food and I'm ready to eat. That's always been with me. I never think of what to eat until the time comes for me to eat. Then whatever is available, even if it's this chair, I can chew it up. <laughs> I, I never planned out, maybe they what am I going to eat? She's very good at it. Sometimes about 11 o'clock in the morning, say, oh, so what are, what are you going to eat this evening? I say, ah, how can I be thinking of what to eat in the evening which has not come? 11 o'clock, I'm thinking of what to eat in the evening. Man shall not live by bread alone. <laughs> and when the time comes for me to eat, I will now have to eat. Then whatever is available, it can be even, like I said, this plastic chair, I just eat it. And that is it. But she is very good at preparing, making sure that when I'm ready to eat, then there's something there to eat. So Peter was very hungry and wanted to eat. That's when the women were preparing the food. So you can imagine. So he started to spend the time praying. Hello? He was very hungry. Then he fell into a trance. And he saw what he saw. We have just seen what he saw. And God was showing something. That he shouldn't consider common or unclean what God has made clean. In other words, God was saying that now it was time to bring the Gentiles, not just the Jews, the Gentiles who they considered unclean into the household of God, become Christians, become the elect. So God said, don't call common what the Lord has cleansed. Now God was about to cleanse us, you and me, you and me too, we, we too, and graft us into his kingdom. That's what God showed to Peter. So it was a vision Presentment vision meant to affect many lives and for generations until Christ comes again. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. Thank you for participating in this Tuesday evening's teaching service. We believe you have been blessed by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday.